the 191st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina electrical services josh and anthony we're back with you guys once again today getting you ready for carolina and virginia that game will come your way tuesday night at 9 p.m on espn we're going to break down the cavaliers get you everything you need to know about the tar heels give our keys to the game pick the game and more but we start as we do every preview edition of the pod with our pod thought of the day which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we go to former uh, college basketball national champion and NBA champion, uh, Hall of Fame point guard Magic Johnson, who basically just took a famous presidential quote and turned it into a quote about, you know, sports, basketball, whatever, and said, ask not what your teammates can do for you, Ask what you can do for your teammates. And, buddy, I'll ask you, what what presidential quote did Magic Johnson steal from to get this own quote of his, which now is today's pod thought of the day? Uh, I got to be honest. I have absolutely no idea. Um, I was not the biggest history buff. So if I had to take a guess, hmm. Ronald Reagan? Nope. About 20 years, 24 years too late. JFK. Uh, that was actually ah, there we go. one of his uh, more famous quotes while he was the president of the United States of America. And, uh, I mean, look, I think right now this quote really, really applies to where Carolina is because the rotation is in flux. As of recording, we don't have an idea if Pete Nance is going to play. Um, I, I would think that he'd be ready to come back and play in this game. But like I said, as of recording, we don't have an answer to that question. Um, so, you know, the rotations in flux, we saw a different starting lineup the other day, which means everybody's roles are changing. And, you know, this is a chance for us. This team is starting to build chemistry, camaraderie, and really come together as a group. They can ask how they can help each other become the best versions of best versions of themselves, you know, individually and then collectively. 
Um, and that's something that Carolina is going to need as they go and face to what is to date their toughest test of the season, and that is the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, Tony Bennett, who on Saturday became the school's all-time winningest coach with the win at home over Syracuse, has led Virginia to an 11-3 record. They are 3-2 and two in the ACC, and they've got some legitimate wins. Um, they have beaten at the time number five Baylor, number 19 Illinois. And I know both of those teams haven't had the type of season since then, but those are those are two teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament more likely than not. Um, and both teams will still likely be picked to win a, a game or two in the field. They've also won at Michigan, the same Michigan team that, that Carolina beat on a neutral court. But uh, Virginia went to Michigan and beat them in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And their losses, I, yeah, I'm i not going to say that they're good losses. I'll just call them legitimate losses. They lost to, no, at the time, number five Houston, who's even, you know, they're going to be number one in the poll most likely in this week's edition. They lost to then number 22 Miami, who's climbed the ranks higher since then. And Jim Laranega squad looks like they're going to be a team that's going to factor into this this uh, wide open ACC. And they lost to Pittsburgh, the same Pittsburgh team that that beat Carolina. Remember when Pittsburgh beat Carolina, one of our biggest frustrations was that we thought they would go out in their next game against Virginia and lay an egg. That didn't happen. They went out there and then beat the Wahoos. And so um, they've got a you know a really strong resume. Um, and as I said, you know, this is going to be probably their toughest test to task. They've got three players that average double-figure scoring led by veteran Kihei Clark, who averages 11.4 points, 2.4 rebounds, uh, 6.3 assists, while shooting 44% from the field and 40% from three. Armand Franklin, um, he averages 11.4 points, 3.7 rebounds, while shooting 40% from the field and 41% from three. Then they have Jaden Gardner, 11.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, He's shooting 52% from the field. Their, their nucleus of big three, kind of like Carolina's, uh, they've been around the ACC uh, for a while. Overall, they have five players that average 9.4 points per game or more. So they've got, as you can imagine, the way that they play, a lot more balanced scoring um, on, on their roster, kind of like what Carolina just got done seeing with Notre Dame. And, um, you know, as you can imagine, they're also a really good defensive team as they only average giving up 59.6 points per game, which is 15th best in all of college basketball. But the thing about it is, is that outside of their point per game total, which is still really, really good. I mean, top 15 at under 60 points per game in this era of basketball is legit. It's not like this defense is as suffocating as it used to be. I mean, this used to be basically the best defense virtually in every statistical category in terms of points, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and the like. But that's not the case. Um, teams, I mean, teams are still shooting, you know, or, you know, they're shooting 44% from two-point land. That's 24th best. In the country, they're shooting 35% from behind the three-point line. That's 260th in the country. And look, those are still 
really solid numbers. Like we would kill to have those type of numbers here at Carolina. But back to my point, their defense hasn't been as suffocating as they have been in years past when Tony Bennett's had a team that's capable of winning the conference. With all that said, though, this is going to be uh, the best defensive team Carolina has played so far this season and probably will play all season long and will be a stiff test for an offense that appears to be finding its groove after back-to-back solid wins over Wake Forest and Notre Dame where Carolina scored 80 points or more in both victories. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's definitely they're, – they're not exactly the same team that we've seen in the past but they're definitely not all that much different. Um, They're still really, really good defensively, as you mentioned. You know, 15th in the country in in points per game is is probably seen as a a rough defensive season for them, um, considering where they had been in years past. But, I mean, still, 59.6 points per game. I mean, this is a team that it pretty much does exactly what you would expect. Uh, they play that pack line, so they frustrate teams. Um, they create a decent amount of turnovers at 13.1 per game. Um, opponents are are, are uh, given up to them. And, uh, you know, they, they also are what you would expect in terms of pace. Um, so far this season, they have taken they, – they average 51.4 field goals per game, which is 358th in the country. So they're exactly what they've been in the past. It just feels like they're not nearly as dominant. Still struggling overall offensively. Um, It's not nearly as bad as it was a year ago, but a lot of people expected that Jaden Gardner was going to take a a pretty significant leap this year. He really hasn't offensively. T.A. Clark is solid, um, but still a guy that is leading them in scoring at 11.4 per game. So this is, you know, a team that, I think has some similar offensive issues to what we saw from Notre Dame the other day. Now, the problem is, is that Notre Dame is nowhere near as good of a defensive team as this Virginia team is. So that's where Carolina has to be, you know, prepared. But as you mentioned, there is one weak spot for Virginia this season, as opposed to in years past. And that is their three point defense, allowing 34.8% from beyond the arc which is 260th in the country. So that's one area that Carolina could potentially look to attack in this game. It'll be interesting to see, you know, is that an area where Carolina can have some success? Because they definitely shot the ball a little bit better here uh, more recently. I mean, you saw the other day, a pretty good shooting day from beyond the arc for Caleb Love. And now, you know, with that small lineup, which even if, Pete Nance can play in this game. You would imagine you'll still see a pretty good amount of that in this game. Um, and I, I think, you know, having Caleb Love be able to play off the ball, that could allow you to, you know, have at least one guy that you think you can trust from beyond the arc as a catch and shoot guy. Uh, you've seen some things from RJ Davis here these last few games. I mean, one of the things we didn't really talk about in the recap of the game against Notre Dame was I thought for the second straight game when you needed some big shots down the stretch, I thought R.J. Davis stepped up and hit those big shots. So the way he's been shooting from back there, and then if you could get Puff Johnson to stay in the rhythm that he got into the other day, that would be massive for Carolina. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they can do from beyond the arc against a Virginia defense that 
really only has that one weak spot uh, at, to this point in the season. As for the Carolina side of things, they, of course, enter uh, with an 11-5 and record overall. Then, like Virginia, they are 3-2 and in the ACC. Currently unranked as of time of recording, but given some results in the top 25 this week, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Carolina – would be ranked in this matchup, mainly from a TV side of things, to promote a top 25 ACC battle at at night. Uh, Carolina did beat Virginia twice last season, uh, once at home in Chapel Hill and then once in the ACC tournament. And that was significant because that loss or, or that, that snapped a seven-game losing streak to Virginia. But we mentioned this game is on the road. Carolina has not won in Charlottesville. Since 2012, back when Kendall Marshall, Harrison Barnes, Tyler Zeller, John Henson and the gang went up there and won a game. I believe it was 54 to 52 um, was that final score. The Tar Heels still have four guys averaging double-figure scoring, led by Armando Baycott's 18.8 points, 11.2 rebounds. He became Carolina's uh, second all-time rebounder in the win over Notre Dame over the weekend. He should pass Tyler Hansborough for that all-time record in about five games, just looking at his averages. Uh, he's doing this all while shooting 57% from the field. Caleb Love, who had a big game on Saturday, he's still uh, averaging nearly 17 points per game at 16.9 points, four rebounds, 3.3 assists. His shooting numbers starting to creep up just a bit, 40% from the field, 29% from three. R.J. Davis averaging 16.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He, he's shooting 44% from the field, 35% from three. And then Pete Nance, who uh, did miss the last game, as we've talked about, he, he averages 10.9 points, six rebounds, 1.7 assists, shooting 50% from the field, 34% from three. We mentioned that Virginia only gives up 59 points. Well, Carolina averages 81.3, which is the 23rd most in the country and tops in the ACC. Carolina also averages 18.7 made foul shots per game. That's the third most in the country while shooting 25.4 per game, which is eighth most in the country. Go back to Saturday, Carolina, 11 of 19 from the charity stripe in a game where points are going to be a premium. It's going to be imperative that Carolina not only gets to the foul line, but also converts their freebies. But before we take a break and move on to our keys to the game, I want to circle back to those two wins that, that Carolina had last year against Virginia that snapped you know, that long losing streak where it just felt like Carolina couldn't beat them. Uh, Tony Bennett had become a really big thorn in the side of Roy Williams and this Carolina program. Usher in the retirement of Williams, Huber Davis takes over, makes some tweaks on the offensive end, and, and Carolina wiped the floor twice against Virginia um, in, 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 in what were really big games. I mean, the, 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 the home win really got Carolina going in the right direction in January, and then that win in the, in the ACC tournament really validated what Carolina did the weekend before in Durham when they solidified themselves as an NCAA tournament team. So with that in mind, I mean, virtually the roster is outside of Brady Manick being gone for Carolina. 
these rosters are are eerily similar. You, you a lot of the names in this game is going to be familiar. How do you think that those two performances last year will carry over into this game? And how much confidence should I give Carolina to go on the road and win in a gym that they haven't a whole lot they haven't had a whole lot of success in for the last decade? Well, I mean, it should definitely give them plenty of confidence. Um, and I think the other thing that should give them confidence is if they've seen this Virginia team. This is not a world-beating Virginia team. This is not a team that you look at and compare to some of the best ones that you faced during that losing streak. So, I mean, look, there's definitely things that you can take from that matchup a year ago. But keep in mind that, you know, at this time last year, Carolina really wasn't all that great of an offensive team. I mean, they weren't bad, but at the same time, they weren't scoring at the level that they are scoring right now. And there's been times where this team has struggled offensively, at least in our mind, and they're still the top scoring team in the ACC. So it's going to be really interesting to see it. And the other thing that I think is even different from this game last year was this was a team in Virginia last year that was better than they are this year at rebounding. This team this year for Virginia, I mean, this this is almost just as bad as the team you just saw the other day in Notre Dame. Um, they're not nearly that. I mean, they're averaging, believe it or not, almost two more rebounds per game. But still, they're only averaging 32.5 rebounds per game, which is 313th in the country. So that's an area that you should be able to dominate where – when Carolina was going through that losing streak, I mean, there were some legitimate bigs that Virginia had brought in. And, I mean, there were never guys that were just lighting it up, taking over college basketball. But with guys like Jack Salt, um, Jay Huff, those are the types of guys that would bother Carolina at times. This team does not have somebody that can match up with Armando Baycott. It's it's just not there. This is a game that he should be able uh, to really take over and and, and, and dominate uh, at times. So I think that's one of the things that if, if you're Carolina, what should give you confidence is the fact that right now, outside of that loss to Pittsburgh, you're feeling like you're still in a pretty good rhythm. And that's one that, you know, coming back off the, the Christmas break, it's, you know, it's definitely – something that you shouldn't have to go through. It shouldn't be an excuse, but it's a game that you probably weren't 100% ready for because you were, you know, coming off that break and feeling yourself a little bit after the win streak. So uh, hopefully they, they'll, they've learned from that, but I, I definitely think they've got a good opportunity uh, to win this game on Tuesday night in Charlottesville. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said when we recapped the the Notre Dame game, and we were sort of setting the scene for for this game that you know if Carolina wins this game, what it's going to do for their confidence, you would think would take it to a level probably as high as it was at the end of last year when Carolina went to Cameron and and won won against Duke, and that really was the springboard to that run to the national title game. This would probably be the second biggest regular season win under Hubert Davis because you snap a, a pretty long losing streak against an opponent that you play pretty frequently on the road. And, you know, another thing about this game is that even though Carolina and Virginia aren't one or two in the ACC right now, when you look at the standings, you've got, you know, Clemson and Pitt are ahead of them. So is NC, you know, it seems like NC State and, and the like are ahead of them. 
the winner of this game will be perceived as the the team to beat in the conference. Mm -hmm. Whether that's fair or not, I don't really know. But from a local ACC perspective, and then from the national media perspective, that's going to be the, the biggest takeaway from this game. And so if Carolina can go on the road and win at a place where they haven't won in a decade, it's going to re it's going to restore their confidence level, probably where we thought it was going to be when the season started. And it would put them back in the forefront as the team to be the team to beat in the ACC, which of course was the expectation entering as Carolina entered not just number one team in the country, uh, but the favorite to win the ACC. And so with that, guys, um, we, we've now set the scene for the game. Now we need to give our keys to the game and pick the game, but we're not going to do that just yet. Right now we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll give you those keys to the game and so much more on the Four Corners podcast back after this message from DraftKings. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight-up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And the first key to the game is pretty much what the key is every time these two teams play. Um, and, and that's that's the tempo of the game. I would love to say that Carolina is going to be able to impose their will and make this game more up and down. But even when they beat them last year and they beat them handedly, that never happened. Carolina beat them because they executed in the half court because they played with good pace. Um, and, and so, I, I mean, when you look at this game, um, you know, we, we've both expressed that uh, you would we, we want to see Hubert Davis stick with that three-guard lineup, whether Pete Nance is ready to go or not. But in terms of trying to speed this this game up, you know the best way to do that is to to full court press. 
and 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 that just naturally will speed things up. And that's something Carolina didn't do at all against Notre Dame. We didn't really talk about it because we didn't have to talk about it because Carolina didn't need to do it. They locked in so well on the half court in that they didn't need it. But in this game where you know every possession is valuable, you know, Carolina has got to get Virginia just somewhat out of their comfort zone. That way their guards can control the tempo and then not only and 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 and, and then control the pace. Because you know, we talked about with you know, with Notre Dame, if you get this game into the mid-70s, the low 80s, they can't score enough to, to beat you. Well, the same can really be said for Virginia. They only average 70 points per game. So even if you can get this game into the mid the mid to high 70s, you would like your chances um, to win. But that's really only going to happen if you create more possessions because I don't see Carolina going on the road and shooting you know, 50% from the field and, you know, 45% from three. And that's what you'd have to do if you play a 55 to 60 possession game. If Carolina can get this to a 70, 75 possession game, I think that really, that really tends or that really gives them a better chance to win just from a a scoring output. I don't think Virginia, even with five guys that average 9.4 points per game or better, don't even have enough offensive firepower to keep up with the heels. No, they, they don't. And I mean, look, yeah, they've got some balanced scoring, but again, this team offensively is very, very similar to the team that Carolina just played. They're averaging 70 points per game, which is 222nd in the country, right around that same area that Notre Dame was coming into the game the other day. And look, they do the, they, they like Notre Dame, a team that doesn't turn the ball over a lot. But Carolina forced Notre Dame into a lot of mistakes. And I think that's got to be the game plan in this game when it comes to establishing the tempo. If you can get this team to turn the ball over, and look, you're not going to get this team to turn the ball over the way that Wake Forest did. Um, This is not going to be a 14-15 turnover game from Virginia unless you just somehow throw them completely off. Um, Kia Clark is is too good of a point guard. He's a veteran. He's been doing this for a while. I it, it's it's hard for me to see him being that loose with the basketball. But if you can create some of those turnovers that can just allow you to get that pace going, and then yes, if you mix in some of that full court press, that would be what your goal is here for Carolina. Then and then it's just can you find a way to get into rhythm, um, you know, on the offensive end of the floor in the half court can you get some high percentage looks and knock them down um and so far you know he over the last two games carolina has and i think that's got to be what they're hoping happens again in this game and i think that's that's going to be one of the biggest things for carolina when it comes to this game you you can say that pace is is important and i agree with you if they can establish their pace in this game if they can get it to 70 75 possessions that would be great But even last year, as you mentioned, Carolina was clearly the better team in both of those matchups. And yet still, it was a low possession game because Virginia is just so good at establishing their own pace. So ultimately, I think for Carolina, the biggest thing is you just have to find ways to make shots in the half court. But yes, I think the smaller lineup will definitely help you in trying to establish that pace and trying to create turnovers. And to me, 
you know, look, he, I I said, you know, with Pete Nance, even if he comes back, you got to keep that lineup out there a majority of the time. And part of that is because, look, that, that group just played so well the other night. The other part of it, though, is, is that this team it, – it, it will match up extremely well with what Virginia wants to do. They play extremely small as well. Um, they have, you know, they, they have uh, Caden Shedrick who plays in the middle – um, at 6'11", Jaden Gardner is their guy at 6'7". That would probably be who Leakey would be matched up against anyways, although we saw at times last year he matched up against Kihei Clark when Carolina needed him to, so he would have that versatility. Uh, and then every other guy, Armand Franklin, 6'4", Reese Beekman, 6'3", and Clark, of course, 5'9". So they're going to play very similar to what Carolina would be throwing out there with the three-guard look. To me, there is no doubt that that lineup should see a ton of time in this game on Tuesday night. My second key that I have written down is, is turnovers. And it's really not in terms of Carolina forcing them. I'd love for them to come out and force turnovers. Uh, Virginia commits 9.9 .9 turnovers per game. That's 358th in the country. There's 363 teams that play college basketball. So they are one of the absolute best at, at, at not turning it over. It's imperative that Carolina doesn't. Um, and, and this is going to be a really great guard matchup with Kihei Clark of Virginia. And then with Carolina doing it now with mainly R.J. Davis and Seth Trimble on the ball, more predominantly than even Caleb Love is right now when the three guards are on the court. Um, and we've just seen at times RJ in that Wake Forest game along with Caleb Love, they committed seven, you know, they, they committed or, or Caleb Love committed four turnovers in that game. Leaky Black committed three. And so this has just got to be a game where Carolina values each and every possession. I always, I often say that if you, play 75 80 possessions and you turn it over 12 14 times i'm not gonna get mad at that because it's it's not it, it doesn't really over it's not an overwhelming amount but if, if this game is played at virginia's liking which is you know a, a max 60 possession game well then i mean you're talking about over almost a fifth of your possessions being turnovers and and so um they they've got to just control and 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 dominate the ball in a smart way. They did really they did a really good job of that on on Saturday. Just eight turnovers against Notre Dame, more ball handlers on the floor. You should see better passing, better decision making. Big reason why I want to see that lineup stay on the floor moving forward. But also with the way that Virginia runs that pack line defense, they are a rare team that they do double from post to post. So whenever Armando Baycott gets the ball on the low block, he's got to anticipate that other guy that's on the down low, whether it's a big guy or not, coming over to force a double team. He's got to be smart with either, with either dribbling out of a double team, something he did the very first possession against Notre Dame, which led to a Caleb Love corner three, or passing out and Carolina reestablishing its offense. And so – and if Carolina can force some turnovers, that'd be great. Get some easy layups, dunks, and some points in transition. I'm looking at this at more as Carolina can't afford to give them the ball because if 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 that does, 
that's going to give them points in transition, and it's really going to make it more imperative that Carolina's offense is more efficient in the half court. Yeah, I mean, it was a key to both games last year. Carolina did a really good job in both of those games. But, yeah, I think there is no doubt that if Carolina turns the ball over at a high rate in this game and the pace is what we think it's going to be, then if if they're going to turn it over a lot, they better shoot the absolute lights out to have any chance in this game. And that's not something that they should be banking on. I think for the most part, you know, outside of some, you know, little stretches, especially early in the game, um, Carolina's done a good job of protecting the basketball. But as but as I said, there have been moments, and it's come especially early in games, where Carolina has turned the ball over a ton, and it has allowed teams to either stay in games, teams to get early leads. So they have to find a way to limit that once again. That was one of the things I talked about going into the game against Notre Dame. And I thought they did a tremendous job of taking care of the basketball early on. One of the big reasons that I think that happened was because you took the ball out of Caleb Love's hands. You need to limit how many times he is your primary ball handler. I'm not saying that he can't be at any point, but I think especially early in the game, you need him to settle into a rhythm. And the best way to do that is to not keep putting the basketball in his hands and making him dictate what's going on. Because you've seen many times throughout this this year and last year, he is a guy that can become turnover prone once he makes one mistake. They, they snowball on him. And that's the thing that Carolina has to avoid in this game. And to be honest with you, he, we, we, I, I thought, you know, these last couple of games, and even when we saw him earlier in the year, I thought Seth Trimble did a pretty solid job of taking care of the basketball. But he is still a freshman. To me, early in this game, I want to see as often as you possibly can, you have R.J. Davis bringing the basketball up. He needs to be – he's the most experienced guy. I think he is probably the most sure-handed of the guys that you have that can handle the basketball – you need to put the ball in his hands. And as you mentioned with Armando Baycott, you know, he he has to know when that second guy is coming over to double. Well, we've seen that the last few games with them, and I think he's handled it pretty well. Um, the first possession of the game the other day, he had that he, he saw that double team, uh, was able to dribble out of it and made that beautiful cross-court pass to that left corner to Caleb Love, who knocked down the shot. So I think he has shown over the last you know few games that he can handle that double he has gotten used to that there were times last year where it would really bother him um and even early on this season there were times where he, he would have fits with it I think he's really settled in here over these last couple of games uh you know uh being able to adjust to that and so uh, I, I feel pretty confident about this one I I think it's definitely a key but I feel like this is one that Carolina should be able to handle based off of what we have seen from them here over these last few games. This really is a team that's taking care of the basketball a lot better than they did late in the Roy Williams era and even last year in the first year under Hubert Davis. The third key I have for this game is is the rebounding. Um, and normally, you know, that's not a surprise because I value rebounding as much as any part of the game. Um, and you guys know that, but in this game, it's really because 
if Carolina dominates the glass, I think it it could be enough to overcome them not controlling the tempo and the pace. It could help them overcome if they're loose with the basketball and commit 12, 14 turnovers. Uh, Virginia comes in the 313th best rebounding team in the country. It's not very good. Carolina just got done pummeling Notre Dame on the glass. And so, you know, one thing that Huber Davis has said many times this year is that games need to be a UNC rebounding game as opposed to just a strictly Armando Baycott rebounding game. And, and that's that's coming to fruition. Even though Baycott had 13 more rebounds the other day, Puff Johnson had six. You, the guards were getting in on the glass, especially R.J. Davis and even Seth Trimble sacrificing their bodies to go get a loose ball. And so this this should be an area that from the opening tip on, Carolina controls. They don't have a guy, as you mentioned, that can really hold his own against Armando Baycott, who is really establishing, establishing himself as the player of the year in the ACC right now. And so, you know, this key often shows up, but this time it's different because I think if Carolina comes out and wins the rebounding margin by plus 12, plus 15, that could overcome some other areas where Carolina may not be as efficient at and still lead a pathway to a Tar Heel victory. Yeah, I mean, and, and I just, to me, this is a game that I don't think Carolina should have much of an issue being able to dominate the glass and but because this is this is still not a great offensive team for Virginia. I now I, I don't know if we're going to see the type of offensive performances that Virginia had in the two games that we saw them play against Carolina last year. But I do think that this is still a team that is going to have, you know, th- that Carolina is going to have a pretty decent amount of rebound opportunities. And you're right. It's just it's the way that everybody is rebounding. I, I thought early in the year, a lot of pe- a, a lot of the guys were really just expecting that Pete Nance was going to come in here and you know pr- expand upon what we saw last year in that role from Brady Manick, and he was going to be a guy that could sort of team with Armando Baycott, and it would give Carolina two really strong rebounders at the big men positions. And that everybody else, yeah, they would have to contribute, but it really wouldn't have to be the uh, to the level that they've contributed here recently. Now it feels like they realize, everybody realizes that we have to chip in and do our part because it seems like just about every game that Carolina has had during you know the – four-game win streak before the Christmas break and the last two games that Carolina's won, it seemed like that second-leading rebounder is different in just about every game. And there's there's different guys that kind of come out to contribute, even off the bench. So I, I think you're going to have to see that again in this game. And I think you're, you're also going to have to see the depth once again in this game. Um, the last two, you know, Pete Nance's injury has sort of forced Carolina to be a little bit deeper, but I think Carolina needs to take advantage of that once again in this game because Virginia, very similar to the team that Carolina just played in Notre Dame, they go about about seven deep. They're, they can run eight, but yeah, they go about seven deep. So this is a team that I think Carolina – it has the depth to uh, really just be able to outpace 
And I, I think that'll be important. And, you know, another area where it's going to be key, Carolina's got to make their free throws in this game as well because this is a team in Virginia that gets to the line about as much as Carolina does. This is the first time this season that Carolina is going to face a team that it has as much of a focus on getting to the free throw line as they do. So I think those are a couple of other areas that Carolina has to look to be efficient in in this game. But yes, this is another one of those games where if a team like this finds a way to out-rebound you, then it will be extremely concerning. I feel like Carolina should be able to handle their own on the glass, but it's a huge, huge key because if you give this team, just like if you turn the ball over too often against this team, if you give this team too many second chance opportunities, the amount of possessions that they limit you to, it's going to be really, really hard to beat them. Well, now it's time to to, to pick what, what feels like a very early important game in the ACC in January and ESPN's matchup predictor doesn't like Carolina's chances. They give Carolina just a 29.3% chance, probably because they look at first and say Virginia is really, really good. Carolina has yet to win a true road game this season, let alone they haven't won in Charlottesville in 10 years. But I think Carolina is going to win the game. I think, and I think the biggest reason why, because I think they know what's on the line. I think they know that if they come out here and they win, that'll be their best win of the season by far. And I think they know from a confidence standpoint, like you got to start winning games on the road in this conference. You know, it's got to happen at some point. This is a great chance to go ahead and finally get, you know, that first road win uh, or first true road win of the season. And then what it would just do from the perception of this team to where they would establish themselves, again, maybe not fair because other teams have better records, it would establish Carolina as the team to beat in the ACC. And the national media would probably start looking at this team and probably start walking back some words they said about this team in November and December. I don't think it's going to be as dominant as it was in, in the last two wins last year over Virginia. But I do think Carolina will make a player too late to, to to win the game and remind us why they were the preseason pick to win this conference. A lot of people's pick to win the national championship. So I've got the heels winning. What about you? I do too. I, I just think the way that this team has been playing and, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm giving them too much of a pass for that game against Pittsburgh. But I think that you've seen over these last two games, Carolina has sort of picked up where they had left off before Christmas. And this looks like a team that's playing confidently. Um, You're seeing that that three-guard lineup, I think, has just been huge for Carolina. They they found that, and that is now a strength of this team and something that I feel like Hubert Davis is going to keep using because, as we've mentioned many times before when we've talked about the future of this program – that is going to be something you're going to see a lot of moving forward. So I definitely expect that you will see a lot of that in this game. And I think they are going to take a lot from what they did a year ago um, and, and try to sort of recreate 
what they were able to do in those two matchups against Virginia in this one. I, I think Carolina holds on to the ball well. I think they do somewhat, you know, similar to what they did against Notre Dame uh, on Saturday. I do think that they will find a way to create a couple of turnovers more than Virginia is used to because I just think they're playing that well defensively. And I think late in the game, I'm I'm with you. I think Carolina will have to make some plays late, but I think they will. And I think the one guy that you're going to look at when it comes to late game scenarios is R.J. Davis. I said earlier, he's had two games in a row where I think he has made tremendous plays down the stretch that Carolina has needed. I think that'll you'll see that again in this game. I think he'll come up big, and I just think that Without any way to slow down Armando Baycott, this could be a big game for him. Um, he, he he played extremely well the other day against Notre Dame. This could be a next-level type of performance for him because of the fact that Carolina, if they get this win, as you said, will probably be the team that most would expect to win the ACC in the end. I think Carolina gets a massive victory on the road in Charlottesville for the first time since 2012. No matter the result on Tuesday night in Charlottesville, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where you can go back and check out our coverage of the win against Notre Dame from over the weekend. And I'll be getting you ready with the preview and a recap of this all-important matchup in the ACC as I continue to take you through the 2023, uh, 2022-2023 basketball season. As for football, Carolina is fully uh, in, in its off-season mode right now, but any news notes that, that, that comes out of Chapel Hill, uh, Anthony will have you covered with that as well. All that football and basketball coverage, that's HeelToughBlog.com. And then, guys, for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.